Let us take a moment to pray before we think about God's Word. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be true and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Matthew's tracing of the family line of Jesus began with these words. This is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And with so few words, Matthew has immediately grabbed the attention of his original readers because he is making huge claims about Jesus. Matthew is claiming that Jesus is not only descended from Abraham and David, but that the promises given to these individuals and the hopes that God's people had kept alive for hundreds of years, Matthew is claiming that in Jesus, these promises, these hopes are now being fulfilled. So let's briefly see what those promises were. To Abraham, God had said, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. With Abraham, God initiated a plan to bless all peoples, all nations, to bring them back into relationship with himself and so be part of his kingdom and know the life that can only come through a relationship with the living God. Yet the Lord also made a promise to David. We read in 2 Samuel, When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. I will be his father and he shall be my son. My love will never be taken away from him. Your house and your home, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. An incredible promise. A promise that had seemed to be lost or, or unfulfilled for so long and yet the people continued to wait for a son of David to be born. We saw in our last series in Isaiah several of the prophecies given by God confirming his resolve to fulfill this promise that a king would come. In time this individual came to be known as the Messiah, the Anointed One, or in the Greek, Christos, from which we get the title Christ. So when Matthew says, this is the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham, it's a very loaded statement. And part of Matthew's purpose is to detail the family line of Jesus, to detail his identity and to validate it saying that he is the Messiah, the Christ. He is heir to the promises of David and of Abraham. But what does that mean for us, for you and me? Well, firstly, we need to understand something else about Jesus. That who he was, what he was about, the message he conveyed, the ministry he carried out, all of this was so vast so multi-layered that, that none of the gospel writers could weave all together. So they each sought to capture a perspective on Jesus, a perspective that spoke to the needs and concerns of a particular audience. Now these perspectives do not conflict. It's like seeing a diamond from different angles with its different cuts and 
each faces, each perspective adding something to the overall beauty and significance. Likewise with Jesus. For in Matthew's gospel, we find a focus on the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and the son of David. Again and again, Matthew uses language to get us thinking about the kingdom of God and the rule of Jesus. But Matthew's focus on this is, is not only in relation to historical promises now being fulfilled in Jesus, Matthew also knows that following Jesus, identifying with him and his family line, is to identify with his kingdom and the rule of Jesus in our own lives. And as a community of faith, to follow Jesus within the gospel of Matthew is to recognize him as king and ourselves as his subjects and ambassadors. To, to confess faith in Jesus is to confess him as the king of kings and actively seek the extension of his kingdom. It's no surprise then that Matthew concludes his gospel with these words of Jesus. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Maybe you're still wondering, how does this relate to me? Well, firstly, you are welcome. You are welcome into the kingdom of God, for God delights in you. For a long time, Israel misunderstood its place and its role, becoming very insular, writing others off. But God always had a plan for all the nations, for all peoples. We saw that in the promises made to Abraham. And in the verses we read today, we see mention of three women. And I'll say more about them in the coming weeks. But for now, let's notice that Tamar, Ruth, Rahab, and probably even Uriah's wife Bathsheba were all foreigners, Gentiles, outsiders. They were usually excluded, ostracized, made to feel unwelcome. But they are named in the family line of Jesus to help us see the all-embracing love of God. We see his welcome to the nations, to one and all, to any who will come in faith to him through Jesus. I wonder, do you know this welcome, friends? Do you know that hand reaching out to you from God and his affirmation? Maybe you don't. And that may be because you are not yet following Jesus. And if that's you, then, then God extends his welcome to you as well. And all you need to do is come in faith to him through Jesus. Friends, when, when you know the welcome of God, it changes your life because you realize you're not written off. You are valued. You are precious to God. He truly delights in you and wants you to know a place in his family through faith in Jesus. Friends, do you know the welcome of God? But what if you do know the welcome of God? What if you do follow Jesus and part of your identity is having faith in the one who is Messiah, the promised king. Well, if that's you, brothers and sisters, then let me ask, in our day-to-day -day lives, in the life of our congregation, where is our focus? What is our priority? Is it the kingdom of God?
So for example, we are exploring what our future place might be in a hub alongside the other six churches in the Braes. Is our focus on the kingdom of God or is it upon our building and our future as Brighton's? As a congregation, do we have an identity defined by the kingdom of God? Or on a personal level, are you sharing in the great commission given to us in Matthew 28 by Jesus, given to anyone who follows him, that we are sent out to make disciples of all the nations, that each of us is personally called by Jesus to be his ambassador? Jesus does not make this optional. He does not select it for just a few people. His call is to everyone, all of us who follow Jesus, to make him known and extend his kingdom. But that's scary, is it not? Often hard. So here's an easy first step to help us all grow as ambassadors of the kingdom of God. In the next couple of weeks, our church Christmas card will be coming out. But due to restrictions, we're not sending it to the whole parish. Instead, each church household will receive two copies, one for yourself and one to pass on to someone else that you might extend the welcome of God to them and invite them to watch or attend a service over the festive period. Who knows how that might change a person's life as you extend the welcome of God to another person and play your part as an ambassador of his kingdom. I pray that over this time of Advent, we will see more clearly the identity of Jesus and grow in our own identity as people who are in Christ, welcomed and sent out. May it be so. Amen.